part of what makes the church work and makes it great is the fact that we aren't just supposed to isolate in our walls to be among like-minded folks. We are actually supposed to be reaching people who aren't here yet. Do you know that? It's crazy, right? But I'm pretty sure that was the Great Commission. A guy named Jesus said that. So we are in week seven of eight. So next week, we'll, we'll be wrapping up this series. Uh, it's our How Should We Pray series. And today, I think you probably have figured out by now, we're talking about the line, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Uh, we, are, we are right here at the end. And this is probably one of the more interesting lines, just simply because it seems so obvious when we say it, you know, this, <laughs> yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Like, yeah. Of course, but again, as I said to the children, it's easy to say that here. It's easy to say that here while we're in church worshiping God. It is much, much harder to live it as though it are true outside of these walls. But the main truth of this line is that God is sovereign and powerful and God is worthy of all praise and glory. This phrase is a declaration of faith and a recognition of God's majesty and greatness. Now, the words sovereign and powerful are used in religious discussions to talk about how mighty God is. For many, probably most of you, it means that God has complete control over everything in the world, like what happens to people and what happens in nature. For many of us, when we say that God is sovereign, we're saying that nothing happens without God's permission or control. This idea is really important to many people who follow Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. It is foundational to many of us. Thinking about God's sovereignty can be comforting because it means that there's someone in charge of the world that can take care of us. But it can also be confusing and challenging because it makes us wonder about things like whether we have free will, like we really have free will, or if everything is already decided. Because as much as we try to make the math work, free will and total predestination do not exist together. They can't exist together. You either have free will or everything is already planned to the end and we're just pawns moving along, whatever the line is. Or put it differently, if God is in control of everything all the time, then why is there evil and suffering in the world? If God is in control of everything all the time, then why is there evil and suffering in the world? It's difficult to understand how there can be so much bad stuff if God is supposed to be so great. In an effort to explain this problem of evil, and that's what theologians have called this for a long time, the problem of evil, which is, by the way, the thing that has produced more atheists than anything else, trying to come up with an answer to this, because for many people, especially a lot of the young people today, a God who allows evil to happen in the world is no God they want to follow. And that makes sense to me. But in an effort to explain this, some theologians have offered different views throughout time than the one that I've described. This is the, the one that I just described is the popular one, but it has not been the only one, and it's not the only one today. Uh, they believe that God's power and sovereignty are expressed in a different way. If you've been with us here at Niles First for any length of time over the past couple of years, then you've heard me talk about this before. 
And it's been such a helpful alternative for many, including me, that I'm going to share it every chance that I get. These theologians like Dr. Thomas J. Ord, who is in the Nazarene tradition, but that is a Wesleyan tradition, believe that God is love. I've talked about that before. That's a very scriptural idea, that not that just God is loving, but God is love. And they go further to say that they believe that God's power comes from love and that love doesn't force people to do anything. Instead, love works with people and creation in a persuasive manner to help them be their best. We see the prime example of this view of God in the life and ministry of Jesus himself, because as I've said before, Jesus never forced anyone to do anything. Jesus called, Jesus gave opportunities, Jesus persuaded folks, but Jesus never forced anyone to follow him and love like him. Now, were there consequences for not following him and loving like him? Absolutely. But he never forced it upon them. So when we talk about God's sovereignty, God's power, for some of us, many of us, we mean that God's love is very strong and very persuasive. We believe that the Holy Spirit helps us make the good choices, but she doesn't force us to do anything. But whichever view of God's power and sovereignty you hold, none of us believes that God wants bad things to happen. I would say whatever you believe about that, none of us believe that God wants evil in the world, that God wants bad things to happen. So we can still give God praise even when bad things do happen. Now, I don't expect you to walk out of here with a fully enfleshed theology of love or of sovereignty of power. That's not the point of this. Theologians have been debating this and for thousands of years, they will continue to debate this probably until the end when we all get, all get the cheat sheet and get the answers and go, oh, none of us had it completely right. So don't feel like you have to, you know, like have this all figured out today. I don't have it all figured out today. We've been talking about these things for a long time. But even as we wrestle with these deep theological concepts, we still believe in various ways these three things from today's line of the Lord's Prayer. And that is, this is God's world. God does have power. And God is worth praising and glorifying. From this line, we come away with those three things. We are believe that when we say that line, God has power, this is God's world, and God is worth praising and glorifying. Now, if we believe these things about God, then it should change the way we live our lives. We should try to show how amazing God is by being good and kind to people, by loving people. We should seek to be God's mirrors in the world. And for a lot of us, we actually are mirroring the God that we believe in. I would actually make that, I, I can make that claim pretty confidently that however you act as a Christian, you are mirroring the God you believe in. The question I would ask you is if the God you believe in is a loving God, do your actions show that? I'm not going to make the claim one way or the other, but I would say for some of us, we might have to reorient what we think love is about. But 1 Peter 2.9 says how and why we should seek to be reflections of God's glory when it says this. It says, but you are a chosen people set aside to be a royal order of priests, a holy nation, God's own so that you may proclaim the wondrous acts of the one who called you out of inky darkness into shimmering light. I love that imagery, inky darkness to shimmering light. If we believe that this is God's world, that God does have power, 
and that God is worth praising and glorifying, then we ought to be motivated to reflect that in the world in our lives. I know I sound like a broken record up here because I say this kind of thing all the time, but I'm going to keep saying it until it becomes a point that is non-negotiable. What we believe ought to be reflected in our lives. So we have to be very careful about our starting point with God and with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and what we believe about the Trinity. Because if we aren't, we end up creating a God in our own image rather than remembering that we are images of God. Now, sometimes people might feel that God doesn't care about us. I know that this is true for some of us. I've gone through this experience, this idea that God doesn't care about us. We might see God as being distanced and may not feel motivated to give God praise and honor, not even with our words, let alone our lives. So what does praise and honor look like when we don't feel loved and cared for, really? What does praise and honor look like when we don't feel loved and cared for? And I get that. Like I said, it's difficult to live in what sometimes feels like a classic cosmic long distance relationship. I think a lot of us view our relationship with God in that way, this long distance relationship. And even though like technology has eliminated or altered a lot of what I'm about to say nowadays, historically, there have been some problems associated with long distance relationships that are relevant to a discussion on feeling loved and cared for by a distant God. Long distance relationships take a lot of effort. They take a lot of effort to stay connected. And if communication breaks down, it can be difficult to maintain the relationship. And that's true whether you, we live in the digital age or not. It takes extra effort when the person isn't standing right in front of you all the time. When we feel disconnected, it can be easy to feel insecure or jealous about our partner's activity with others. And how that relates to our relationship with God is when we see other people having good stuff happen to them and it's not happening to us, if we don't feel directly connected with God all the time, we can start to feel jealous about what other people get, what other people have, the kinds of opportunities they have, or even our part in helping them obtain those opportunities. Jealousy is real in long-term relationships. And if you have a long-term or a long-distance relationship with God, it's easy to fall prey to jealousy of others. When we feel disconnected, it can be harder to build intimacy and a shared sense of experience. It's true. And when we feel disconnected, it can be harder to resolve disagreements and misunderstandings can happen more easily. Like we never, if we never connect with God, then whatever we believe about God is just going to be what we always believe because we are not in a dialogue. And this is true whether you're standing in front of somebody or not, but when we stand in front of somebody and we wanna take care of a problem, it is difficult to ignore. But I can ignore your text. I can ignore your phone call. I can ignore your letter. I can ignore any other method that is used during a long distance relationship, but I can't ignore you right here. So it becomes more difficult to resolve disagreements and it's super easy. Anybody who's ever sent a sarcastic text message meant as a joke, knows exactly what I'm about to say is true. Misunderstandings can happen really easily when not said face-to-face. -face. I mean, they can happen face-to-face -to -face too, but they happen so much easier. And that can be true about what we believe about God. Understandings about how we believe and what we believe can happen when we are constantly connected in to our relationship with God and allowing that to inform our lives. So if we believe God is distance, it would be logical to feel like God doesn't love us. We might feel distant from God and struggle to connect, to communicate. 
We might have trust issues or feel like God isn't listening to our prayers. We might struggle to feel close to God and find it hard to build that sense of intimacy. But God is not distant and God is not uncaring. God is with us always in the person of the Holy Spirit. And if you've been at Bible studies the last couple of weeks, we've talked about this. We've talked about this. So God is worthy of our praise and honor with our lips and our lives. We can trust in God's love and care for us. And we can recognize that God is the source of all blessings and goodness in our lives. As Psalm 103, 1 through 5 vigorously declares, and man, I love this passage. Oh, my soul, come praise the eternal with all that is in me, body, emotions, mind, and will, every part of who I am. Praise his holy name. My soul, oh, my soul, come praise the eternal. Sing a song from a grateful heart. Sing and never forget all the good he has done. Despite all your many offenses, he forgives and releases you. More than any doctor, he heals your diseases. He reaches deep into the pit to deliver you from death. He crowns you with unfailing love and compassion like a king. When your soul is famished and withering, he fills you with good and beautiful things, satisfying you as long as you live. He makes you strong like an eagle, restoring your youth. The important point of that passage and everything I've said so far is that God is with us. I might as well be talking at Christmas. We say this at Christmas all the time. God is with us. And if we feel as though we are disconnected with God, that is an us issue, not a God issue. Because God is here. God is there. God is everywhere. God is with us in every moment with the Holy Spirit. And if God is with us, then we need only do our part to hear and see that. We can build a strong connection by regularly praying, reading the Bible, and engaging with worship with a community of believers and non-believers for that matter. Part of what makes the church work and makes it great is the fact that we aren't just supposed to isolate in our walls to be among like-minded folks. We are actually supposed to be reaching people who aren't here yet. Do you know that? It's crazy, right? But I'm pretty sure that was the Great Commission. A guy named Jesus said that. We can also build trust by trusting. And yeah, I know that sounds weird, <laughs> what I just said. But trust is one of those things in life that really only comes by you doing. You really only know if you can trust somebody by giving them your trust. You can only know if it worked, if they violated it or not. Truly, you can't ever really know. So you can build trust by trusting. And it can be reciprocated, you know, and it can build up. In this case, we build connection with God by trusting in God's love and faithfulness and by trusting that God's will for us is good for us. We say that one again. We build trust with God by trusting that God's will for us is good for us. Might not always feel that way, but God's will is always good for us. So if you think that God's will is leading you to a place that is going to harm you, I would say, listen again. Is that God's voice you're hearing? And again, we talked about this in Bible study, what, like two weeks ago? Talking about God's voice. It's a really good conversation. When you good, get good at seeing God and hearing God in our lives, we encounter difficulties or conflicts, but we can turn to God for wisdom and guidance and healing because we know that God is not distant. We know that God is not out there somewhere. God is right here with us right now. So to do what I've already talked about, to trust God, to be reminded that this is God's world, that God is worthy of honor and praise, Take time to reflect on the Lord's Prayer as we've done every week. Focus on the meaning of this line 
Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And what it really means for us. It is, again, easy to say it here on Sunday morning. It is much more difficult to live as though we really believe. Reflect on the ways that God has blessed and cared for you already and give thanks for this goodness and faithfulness. Seek out opportunities to praise and honor God through worship and service to others. Got a great opportunity on Thursdays <laughs> right now through March. We're always looking for more opportunities to really make an impact on the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. And remember that God is worthy of all praise and honor and that we seek to bring him glory through every aspect of our lives. Every aspect. That's every conversation, every thought, every action. Are we going to nail it every time? Of course not. That's okay. That's what grace and forgiveness are for. If we truly try, if we live our lives with the idea that, oh, God's going to forgive me anyway, that's not how this works, people. You have to actually mean it. We bring glory, praise, and honor to God through every aspect of our lives. So as you leave this place, when it becomes infinitely more difficult to do what I just said, remember that this is God's world. God's power is through influence and persuasion, not control and dictation. And God is worthy of our best efforts. Amen? Amen.